Welcome to another edition of Pod Jerky. I am your host, Tom. And on today's episode, we have from the podcast Realm of the Mist, Christopher Stoley. Did I say that right? Uh, kind of. <laughs> Don't worry, as long as you get it right on my paycheck. Now, um, the, uh, the Stolly's the last name, and Stolly. actually, Realm of the Mist is the uh, the production company. The podcast I'm on is Breaking the Fourth Wall. Breaking the Fourth Wall, right. Okay. <laughs> Just to clarify. Yeah. <laughs> and what is your podcast about? Uh, it just went through a rehash. Actually, we released our first uh, first episode under the new rehash yesterday. And what it is, is it's always been an interview podcast where we'll sit down with celebrities or people from next door. Like the tagline for Breaking the Fourth Walls, everybody has a story. So, uh, you know, I, I've sat down and I've inter- interviewed like sixth grade teachers and I've interviewed uh, uh, Internet strippers. And, you know, I've also interviewed, you know, celebrities like Jack O'Halloran from uh, Superman 2 or, or uh, Sean Kanan from like Karate Kid 3, uh, just as examples, not the name drop. But, uh, you know, so I've, I've, I've talked to everybody. But for the longest time, when I first started breaking the fourth wall four years ago, it was a roundtable discussion about movies, mo- mostly us pretending we were, uh, uh, you know, critics, <laughs> pretending like we actually had the uh, the the know how of Siskel and Ebert, if you will. And uh, what I always enjoyed is when we had our funnier moments. So uh under the inspiration of things like uh, morning terrestrial radio shows like uh, O.P. and Anthony or Bob and Tom or, or Preston and Steve, I, with a couple other podcasters, decided to revamp Breaking the Fourth Wall to have a weekly show in that vein and format, which is just segmented comedy f- with a featured uh, interview that week. So <laughs> Nice. Yeah, I, I have a, a friend of mine uh, who's actually from uh, Canada as well, but now he lives in uh, the UK and I'm going to name drop his podcast on this show right now. His uh, his podcast is called Best Film Ever, and it's a fantastic yeah. podcast that's out there right now. And they do reviews of uh, great movies that have been out there now. We're working on one for Sunday to showcase him on a live episode uh, for The Breakfast Club. He's done uh, multiple other episodes. He also has one called Talking the Mickey, where he uh, does reviews on Disney stuff, so Hamilton and Toy Story and uh, other movies like that, and it's a fantastic podcast. And uh, They kind of do the same kind of thing, where they go back and they kind of review the movies, uh, whatever they're reviewing on that specific episode, um, but it's it's actually very interesting, and it's a very good podcast. I'm actually disappointed when you said uh, uh, the talking with Mickey, you know, show, showing the fact that I'm from Philadelphia. The first thought to, of Mickey that came to my mind wasn't Mickey Mouse. It was not now, Rocky. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Wrong Mickey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And um, with your podcasting, how long have you been doing it? Four years. Four years. Four years. Uh, I yeah. started with breaking the fourth wall when I when I when I came up with it. I had no idea what the hell I was doing. I uh, me and a couple friends would have a phone conversation with my phone on speaker, and I would have a digital recorder next to it so that way it would capture them and me. And that's literally how I started. So I don't recommend anybody going back to seeing the first 20, 30 episodes of breaking the fourth. It's not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know that, that we we ran into the same problem when we started. Like, I mean, we did our research and we did our uh, homework on it. Uh, we bought some equipment and then started off. But then you look into the editing of it and you're like, you know what? This this is really terrible compared to what we're releasing today and all the stuff that you learn along the way. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, one of the problems that we had run into as well. 
it's funny when you say that because uh, when you go back and you look at the stuff on YouTube, uh, because I was doing YouTube before I, I discovered audio podcasts. I was completely ass backwards on all of it. I would record it on the digital recorder and all that. And then I, because I didn't have any video to go with it for the YouTube video, I would do a backsplash of the, the breaking the fourth wall logo and just have the audio play otherwise. But I used a free download app on my phone to create it. And it would take like eight hours on my phone to even create the video to have this video with a freaking watermark in the corner of it. You know, that wasn't my, yeah. Watermark. Yeah. it was so horrible. <laughs> yeah. Now, now I've learned to just use Windows Media Player and put our logo in it and put the audio behind it and then throw it up onto YouTube. It takes about 10 minutes and uh, (laughs) it's fine. I mean, I I was doing the same thing where it was I was using a different uh, movie program and it was putting it up. And I was like, how is this going to take me six hours just to make a video file to throw onto YouTube? This is ridiculous. So Mm. you got to do your homework. You got to look at what's going on out there and then uh, play around with it and see what's best for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, now. Now with the video stuff, I mean the best the best options are Skype and Zoom because they can automatically grab it right off the bat, and then you just use your your video editor, whatever your choice. My personal choice is HitFilm, uh, HitFilm Express. I, that it's just the one I feel the most comfortable using. I'm sure there's better ones out there, but you know that's the one I use. But you know the audio, they're, they're, that's still a trick. I mean the video stuff when I when I create the audio versions of it, I just rip the audio out of the video and upload. You know it's easy enough, but yeah. You know, the, the biggest trick I can give to any podcaster from my own personal experience is if you have segment pieces or if you have intros and outros that you want to have in the show, pre-edit those. Create the one that you're going to use over and over and over again. So that way, when you record your actual main content, it's literally just copy and paste to put the rest of the shit in it. It makes it a whole lot faster. <laughs> oh, it does. Yeah, definitely. I have those just sitting on my desktop and then I just pop them into the editing program and it's good to go. And you throw in the middle part. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, we still make our rookie mistakes. I mean, we've been doing this for about four and a half months now, um, but we're doing really, really well. And we still make our rookie mistakes. I did a, a podcast interview with a true crime expert about two weeks ago we just released the episode yesterday and when i had played it back we had done the interview over zoom and we have done all of our interviews over skype and we did the interview over zoom and zoom didn't pick up my mic but we had no clue during the interview that it didn't pick up my mic and it was only using the computer mic Um, and the computers kind of pushed back so that i had the mic in front of me and when i went back and i listened to it i was like oh my god this is so amateur it sounds terrible (laughs) <laughs> so I went back and I re-recorded my parts to the best that I could with the emotion and and everything in it. And I just re-edited it into the to the episode because I was like, this is this is ridiculous. So, you know, you still make your rookie mistakes now, uh, even though we've we're about 34, 35 episodes in right now. And uh, I mean, it, it's going to happen. It, it, oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I can remember two off the top of my head were uh, were interview times that that were just terrible was uh, one time was with Jack O'Holloran. Uh, I got a great interview with him. We were we sat down for like two hours, just bullshitting. And I went to uh, check uh, check it after we were done, and I said goodbye to him. Uh, it was gone. I, I had never hit record. <laughs> oh wow! I never. Oh, wow. So I had to. Well, make- oh, I can tell you, the man loves to talk. We we did an interview with him as well. We're we're in the process of editing it, and he loves to talk. Yes, he does. <laughs> yeah. 
So I had to I had to call up the uh, publicist again, you know, Steve Joyner. And yeah. I was like, dude, um, don't tell him this, but I didn't hit record, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> we, we made up some excuse of like I had a technical malfunction or something. But, you know, and of course, if he hears this episode, he's going to be like that motherfucker. But I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry. Can yeah. I your show? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. OK. I just realized I'm like, you know, yeah. dropping F-bombs and even yeah, say no. Doesn't matter. Uh, you know, another another time was very similar to yours. Um, it was not too long after I got the mixer uh, for my microphone and was uh, trying to produce the show. And I'm talking to somebody on uh, on on Skype. And this was this was a completely different show. And when I went back to listen to the, the playback, their stuff was fine. But you couldn't hear me for shit, and it's because I forgot to turn on the damn mixer. <laughs> so I had to do the exact same thing you did, is I had to sit there and uh, voice over my own episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that took way too long for my liking because I was like, oh, you know what? All episode, this, this episode was really, really well done. There wasn't a lot of editing to do in it. Um, just because they they knew their material, they knew their stuff. Uh, the questions were great, or their back and forth was great. And then you go back and listen to it, and you're like, no, nope, I'm not releasing this. It's it's just outright terrible. So mm-hmm. we, I, I just had to go redo it, and that took me about three days. By the time I could re-record and edit it back in and and get it all done, it was just uh, it was a lot of work. But I mean, it was worth it because the episode came out really really well. Well, let me ask let me ask you a question. Let me let me let me hijack your show. Um, yeah, no worries. Good question. Uh, when you release your product, when when you're sitting there and editing, you got that like when you're done with this episode here or this uh, this interview, how much editing do you put to the actual main to- uh, subject topic, uh, minus like taking out uh, uh, dead air time or something like that, or do you, or you type of person like like myself where outside of like long pauses, long dead air, I don't touch the main film. I, I leave any flubs or mistakes in there because I think it just kind of adds to the charm. So I'm kind of, yeah, yeah, it adds to the realness of it. Uh, I know if I, if I listen to myself talk and I say, um, 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 I'll try and edit out a few of those here and there, uh, but I'm not usually too bad on them now because we've become very aware of it doing the podcast over and over again now. And I kind of like learned a few tricks. I, we use audacity to do our editing and I've right. learned a few tricks to take out like the, the silences all in one shot. We've, we've learned how to do like the compressor and the uh, normalization and just clean up the audio a little bit. So the editing has been really, really taken down in terms of time compared to what we had when we first started. When we first started, we were spending, God, four or five, six hours on it uh, just to do one episode. But now it's probably I think I edited an episode yesterday in about an hour, hour and a half. Okay, uh, I tell you, it's it's funny how self conscious you come doing this stuff. I mean, for the four years that I was do, uh, doing this, I became very, very self conscious of the fact, like you were pointing out, the um 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 um. I became very self conscious of the fact that I had a phrase that I just it was a tick, it was like a nervous tick. I went, I would preface it every sentence with stuff of that nature. And it got to the point that I was starting to joke around and say that you can, you know, have a drinking game to it. You know, every time I say it, take a shot. (laughs) But I actually started being self-conscious of making sure I didn't say that phrase. Yeah, and that's mine as well. My my wife said she found my tell in, in the podcast and she said, you say stuff like that. 
a lot in the podcasts. And I'm like, you know what? Now I'm so self-conscious about saying it. So I try my hardest not to say it during a podcast. But, hey, it's going to come up once in a while. Yeah, once in a while. Uh, I, I actually I actually giggle every time I catch myself saying so, stuff of that nature now. So, yeah, you know, it's like, hey, there's one. Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> We're going to take a quick break to show some love to another podcast. Do you have an interest in the paranormal? Do you find joy in creepy things? Do you delight in terror? That's not going to work. My name is Ryan, and I am joined weekly by my friends Alex and Chad to dive deep into the stranger parts of life in an effort to understand more about the world we live in. Come listen to our podcast, That's Strange. You can find us in all of your podcast players. So go, listen, now, and please review. We'd really appreciate it. That was Alex, Chad, and Ryan from That's Strange Podcast. Make sure you go and check them out and hit that subscribe button. I'm curious. I, I'm on the show. I don't know the show. I, I haven't had a chance to sit down and listen to it yet. What is what is the jerky pod or pod jerky? Which, uh, pod which jerky. Pod jerky. Yeah. So we uh, we started out basically right uh, from the beginning as just a variety show. So we would talk about everything. We talked about uh, different things in our in my wife and I's life. We we talked about fertility struggles. We talked about uh, just pet peeves with each other. I'm actually hosts with a co-host of mine that is uh, a partner with me at work, and we are on a lot of episodes together. But my wife will jump on when he's not available, and we just talk about everything in general. We'll talk about movies. We'll talk about uh, like Netflix reviews. We'll talk about fertility pet peeves we're we i work with special needs kids every day and um we did an episode on autism Uh, so we just do everything there right now we've gotten into a lot of uh, music episodes um because we have uh, a guest uh, sorry a canadian rapper that just came out with a single and he's a rapper from about 20 years ago uh, that he came out with some new stuff now and we're helping with him and we're doing promotions for him and he's working with us and you know we're doing a lot of his teamwork so we're having his his uh people on the show and interviewing them and, and doing stuff like that so we're working on a big big project with them right now uh that that's supposed to be taking place in a couple of weeks from now hopefully and uh, hopefully that's gonna like push it um more mainstream than it is right now and that's funny by the way i don't know if you noticed i took a, i took a drink as soon as you said stuff like that um <laughs> i did say that too <laughs> you can edit that part out and send it to your wife it's like yeah hey, caught me um <laughs> Now, it's funny you say that because I used to be a professional wrestler, uh, independent circuit, and one of the federations I worked for and one of the guys I worked with uh, did the exact same thing. He was a special needs teacher. Uh, In fact, I remember one of the shows I did uh, was at his school, and it was kind of funny because I I wrestled a buddy of his, uh, Chris Petra, that night. But uh, the the uh, the, the, the wrestler slash promoter who went by the name Maverick was a, a science teacher for a special needs school. And... What was hilarious is like, you know, you know, at a wrestling show, people go by their gimmick names and the fans know you by your gimmick names. And that's what it is. And poor Mav, he's he's going out to the ring and they're they're calling him by his name, you know, Mr. Blah, blah. You know, I don't remember what his name, his real name is, you know, but like Mr. Blah, blah, blah and cheering him on and stuff. I, I remember. I remember it was really touching to the special needs kids because I was a bad guy at the time and Chris Petro was a good guy. So I, I had won that match. No, no, I'm sorry. I did. I lost that match. And uh, it was I screwed myself. I got myself disqualified. And apparently 
these kids did not care about good guys or bad guys because, uh, you know, when the show was done and over and I went in the back and I got changed into my normal street clothes and I went to go meet my girlfriend at the time, she's sitting next to this little girl in a wheelchair who who's crying, dying. And I'm, I'm like, why? You know, what's wrong, sweetheart? You know, like letting the ca- character down. And she was crying because I lost. She was sad that I lost. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, you know that that's the impact that you can have on other people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a special yeah, thing. And, yeah, and and mentioning that you are, are or were a uh, professional wrestler, um, you're from Philadelphia, and we were actually talking on the phone. I think it was last week before we had booked this episode, and you were actually talking to me about, um, a, I guess, a situation that had happened to you coming off of the bus of somewhere where somebody wanted to, I, I think, <laughs> jump you or try to rob you or something. Colorado. Uh, do you want to tell that story there? Uh, about 1999, 2000, I decided to move to Colorado Springs to help out family issues. I have family out in Colorado Springs. Um so the ironic thing is, is I'll, I'll preface it that with this story. My mother lives out in Colorado Springs. Now, my mother was against me being an entertainer in any way, shape or form. She knew I had a dream of being a musician and she tried to squash it in every way, shape or form. I grew up always hearing that musicians die of an early age of drug overdoses. You know, that's what they do. So when I became a professional wrestler, I thought, oh, Jesus, my mother will love this. And she thinks, you know, all musicians are drug addicts. Let's talk about champagne and painkillers and steroids for a minute, you know. So when I decided I was going to come out there to help out family, I knew I was going to continue my wrestling career. So I had to finally bite the bullet and call my mother and tell her what I do because I'm going to have to find a federation out there and be doing shows. So I gave the call and I'm like, Mom, I got to confess to something. And (laughs) I told her finally that, I, you know, for the past couple of years, I been an independent professional wrestler and i intend to continue to do so out in out in colorado and i just don't want you to you know think i've been lying to you even though i've been keeping it from you for the past couple of years and she was silent on the phone and then all of a sudden she said i always knew you get into some form of acting that's all, that that was it you know like i was prepared i was clenched up like butts but just clenched as hard as it could waiting for that backlash. Are you effing kidding me? You know, like, and, and that was all I got. It was actually kind of disappointing, but, uh, now, so I finally get the Greyhound bus. I took a Greyhound out from Philadelphia to Colorado Springs, Colorado, which took a day and a half. Um, 36 straight hours on a bus. The stupidest part of it was spending a four hour layover in Denver. (laughs) I could have walked to Colorado Springs before the bus decided to leave the terminal and go to Colorado Springs. During that time, like I said, I was always dreaming of being a musician. So I always had a guitar and stuff like that. And I had a very nice 1986 Ibanez EX series guitar. Now, understand, when I got off the bus at Colorado Springs, I was wearing a Philadelphia Eagles hat, a Philadelphia Flyers Eric Lindros jersey, (laughs) carrying this Ibanez on my back and waiting for the, the bus uh, driver to open up the side thing so I can get my duffel bag and everything else. And these three little wannabe punk kids, you know, the, you, you know, the ones, the, the little white boys all dressed up like they're from N.W.A. And they're coming up to me. It's like, yo, Holmes, that nice guitar. I'm like, oh, yeah, thanks. You know, and they're like, you should give it to me. And I looked at them, like, excuse me, and you should give it to me. And I just laughed at them like 
I didn't mean to be an arrogant prick, and it was definitely not the the wrestling gimmick that came out of me. But it was just like, are you fucking kidding me? I literally just got off the bus in in this place, and I'm looking around, and Colorado Springs is beautiful. It's nice. I'm in downtown Colorado Springs, and it's better than the suburbs of where I grew up, you know? And I'm sitting there like, are you fucking kidding? Are you for real, you know? <laughs> and that must have been enough to intimidate them that I just turned around and laughed in their face, like, you have no idea where the hell I'm from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I can tell you from experience, like we we actually went, you knowing from Philadelphia, um, ECW was there and we actually took a trip from Toronto, Canada to Philadelphia and we did the Greyhound bus thing as well. And I think it was a 12 or 13 hour bus ride uh, mm-hmm. by the time they make all their stops and everything. And we we got to Philadelphia and we got to the bus station and we said to the bus driver, hey, how far is this hotel from the station? And they said, well, it's probably about a four block walk. And I said, ah, let's just walk it. By the time we find a taxi and get down there and, you know, we'll 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 make it there before we we get a taxi to get us there. Right. And we ended up walking 23 blocks <laughs> and it was a long, long walk. And it was really I, I don't want to say rough, but it wasn't what we were expecting, I guess. Right. Um, and uh, we walked through there and then we ended up going out at night to say, OK, let's go look where this bingo hall is, the famous bingo hall for ECW. Right. And it's not in the best area. No. Um, we walked up into uh, like there's like a chop shop near there. And mm-hmm. I walked straight up the driveway and it's wide open. And you had like four guys just hanging out in the chop shop. And I walked up and my buddy's like, hey, dude, like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm going to ask them where this thing is or this bingo hall is. And he was like, I wouldn't go up there if I were you. And I just I, I walked straight up there. and I was like, hey, where's the ECW b- uh, bingo hall? And I did it from a distance just in case because my buddies were kind of like way behind me. And I don't even know if they could even got to me if they wanted to. And uh, they told us where it was, actually. But it was kind of a sketchy uh, area. So mm-hmm. that was kind of our experience there with Philly. Well, it's kind of, it's kind of funny because Philadelphia and, and and even in the wrestling scene because of ECW, Philadelphia's got a bad reputation. Like if you follow sports, the the, the word Philadelphia is just synonymous with hatred. You know, uh, we're we're the guys that threw fucking ice balls at Santa Claus. You know, and and you know all that happy stuff. We, if you wear a Cowboys jersey at an Eagles game, you're leaving in a stretcher. I mean, we have that reputation. We do, but the city, as bad as it is, and I could say this, I. I could say this uh, being a Philadelphian as bad as this city can be. And we have earned every bit of the reputations that we have more often than not. But really, a lot of people in Philadelphia are, I would say, are like the salt of the earth. Um, They're very, very most people in Philadelphia are very, very blue collar. Um, so they'll tell you what they think about you and they'll do it non-apologetically, but most of them would give the shirt off their back to you. Now, it's not saying that there aren't bad eggs in the air. Of course there are. And there are some areas of Philadelphia I would never recommend anybody to go, but more often than not, even in areas like around the ECW arena, you're going to find people that you're probably going to be scared coming up to, but they would, you would find out they're probably some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. So (laughs) just very blunt. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah it was uh it, it was just a, it was a different scene from what we were used to uh growing up in toronto i mean we have our you know our neighborhoods that are a, a little bit rough and a little bit sketchy uh, but i don't think we were prepared at that point in our lives i think we were still maybe like 19 18 19 years old when we had gone uh, we, i don't think we were prepared at that point of our lives for the differences between the two cities 
<laughs> well, what about you? You 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 uh, you're, you're you said you're in Canada. What part of Canada? I'm in well, I'm in a, a city called Whitby, so it's just a little bit east of Toronto, uh, probably about half an hour from Toronto. But we're part of a, a place called the Greater Toronto Area. It's the GTA, and there's okay. like five different municipalities that are involved with that, and uh, we're part of. So technically, we're Toronto. Would it would it be considered a French Canadian territory, like Eastern? No. So uh, the French Canadian would be more of Quebec. We're in Ontario. Um, okay. We are multi, uh, bi- like we're bilingual throughout the entire country. We are we have two official languages, but I think more people in Ontario speak a lot of English as opposed to French, whereas uh, Quebec would be more French as opposed to the English. That's why I was asking because the only time I've ever been to uh, Canada was when I was 14 years old. I was part of a, a, a naval youth organization out here, and we actually did a two-week cruise, summer cruise, on a uh, guided missile frigate uh, that that ported in Montreal. And so I got to spend uh, a day and a night in Montreal, Canada, you know, um, which was, you know, even at 14, it was absolutely beautiful. Plus, I could drink there um, <laughs> at 14. Uh, yeah. But- you know, it was it was it was an absolutely beautiful city, but it just sucked that I couldn't speak the language. They're all French. Yeah. 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 Well, even myself, I mean, we took French in high school. I, I took it up until we had what we call Ontario academic credit. So that would be like grade 13 here. And they, they they taught us French up to there. But there's no way today I would be able to go into Montreal or anywhere in Quebec, for that matter, and be able to carry on a full conversation of French. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's wow. it's just a different language and I, I haven't picked up on it. And I mean, I was pretty good in school, but today, no, I mean, that was 25 years ago. Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what I'm thinking, man. It's like 14, 14, I'm 30, I'm 43 now. So it's like you're, you're talking almost 30 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so, yeah, you know, I did the I did the years of wrestling and, and spent a good decade in in Colorado starting from that bus trip so <laughs> and, and you went by the name Matt Wild correct I was I started out my career it's kind of funny how I wound up with the name uh, when I started my career the the name Matt kind of came right off the bat because it, it turned it turned around I was pretty good at bumping uh, my trainers felt that I was pretty good at bumping and that I was a good chain wrestler and mat wrestler. So the name Matt came from the mat wrestling. Uh, but originally they thought that my personality uh, said that I should be Matt Jericho. I should be Chris Jericho's little cousin. And for the longest time, up until almost up until graduation, that was going to be my name. And I hated it. I didn't want to mark gimmick. I didn't want to be Chris Jericho's little cousin. You know, I didn't want to make my career off of somebody else's legacy. Right. And so one day laying on a couch in in my apartment, I was listening to some Ozzy Osbourne and going through, uh, you know, the little leaflets in the uh, in the uh, CD case. And I was just reading the names of the band, you know, like, you know, uh, Randy Rhodes. It was the greatest hits album and uh, came to uh, along Zach Wilde's name. And I just said Matt Wilde out loud. And it's it hit me. And I'm like, that's it. You know, that's what I'll do. And uh, I took on the moniker, the extreme at that time, because I wanted to show off the fact that I was, you know, I was hardcore. So I was the extreme Matt Wild, and that's how that's how I started my career. And then I dropped extreme when I moved to uh, Colorado, and was just Matt Wild as as a heel. And uh, 
had the personality of of I come, you know, just like off the bus. It's like I come for Philadelphia. You guys ain't got shit on me, you know, type deal. And that was my mentality up until I turned face. Uh, good guy for people that don't understand uh, the wrestling jargon. And uh, that was actually because my promoter dared me that uh well made a bet with me that he could turn me faces there's no way i'm the hottest heel you've got there's no way you could turn me face like i get escorted out of the building every show because people are waiting for me in the parking lot you know <laughs> and he's like all right all right i got you yeah uh, come up with a moniker i'm like what like the extreme he said no 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 something new something that fits i'm like well i'm east coast pride so and i'm a Shawn michaels mark so how about east coast kid we'll call myself the east coast kid matt wall i said okay I said, he said, next show, I want you to come out to the ring with an American flag. So go get an American flag. I said, okay, this is going to be cheap heat. Got it. <laughs> so I went and got an American flag. I show up at the show, and I'm booked against Super Destroyer and his manager, the General Hussein. They put me up against an Iraqi gimmick. Uh, that's almost like the Hogan uh, chic kind of uh, pretty much story back in the day, yeah. Pretty much so. Instant, instant face. And that unfortunately, that was well, not unfortunately, but unfortunately, I lost the bet. He won and I stayed face until I retired (laughs) and remained the East Coast kid. Actually, I did. uh, When I retired, I was taking on just started taking on the moniker, the independent icon kind of playing off the fact that I've been all over the United States as Matt Wilde and uh 20 plus years and and you know being a being a wily veteran instead of the punk young punk kid that the gimmick always was i thought it was a cute little spoof to call myself the independent icon you know but i don't know if that ever would have stuck because i didn't stay around long enough (laughs) yeah and i actually was listening to another podcast that you were on and you were saying that you got to actually work in an actual wrestlemania ring from was it wrestlemania 3 yes that you got to work in in that ring Yes, it was uh, down in Maryland. I got to do a, uh, a match, and it, I remember the match, but I don't, ironically, I don't remember the company. Um, but uh, they had bought the actual uh, ring from WrestleMania three, the actual WWF ring uh, that they had during WrestleMania three. It had the legitimate ropes. It wasn't wire and 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 hose taped up. It was legitimately like bull. Uh, boat rope like the rope you would use to tie up a a battleship you know shit hurt to the hit you know and the ring was stiff as hell oh my god you know there anybody who thinks that rings especially back in the day rings uh were like trampolines no that this was like falling on concrete floor there was no give to this to this ring but uh well it had to hold andre in that ring right exactly it was reinforced you know and it, it was it was it was it was an honor to be in the ring, even though uh, at the time it was me and my tag team partner facing uh, the Canadian, uh, the Canadian Dream, and uh, Jeremy Spoken. And actually, another funny part of that match was uh, I broke the tip of my right index finger in in that match, and I still to this day have no idea how. <laughs> I found out after the match when I uh, went to try to get into my locker and I used my hand. And, you know, you use the side of your your hand to, to lift up the locker to open the door. And when I went to go do that, it was just a sharp stabbing pain into my hand. I'm like, what the hell? And I found out I broke the tip of my finger. 
still don't know how. <laughs> but I would I would imagine a lot of injuries happen in wrestling. I don't know if you've suffered any major injuries uh, besides Nothing. the broken finger. But I mean, imagine a lot of injuries happen in, in pro wrestling. I've had a lot of uh I wouldn't. Well, they weren't major. They weren't like life threatening or career ending. But uh, I would call them major in the fact that they sucked and hurt. Um, I've had bruised ribs, uh, bruised ankle bone. I've dislocated my nose three times. Uh, <laughs> I've had a couple teeth knocked out. Um, you know, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's been interesting. I've, you know, I've dislocated a couple things here or there or bruised a couple things here or there. But thank God nothing that's been uh, long lasting. So we're going to take another break to help out another podcast. Hey, everyone. I am Nick. And I'm Russ. And if you're looking for a podcast about current events that's well-informed, highly educated, and safe to share with your whole family, that's not us. Nope, it's not. But here at the Nick and Russ Don't Know Anything podcast, we have an opinion about everything and don't mind sharing it. That we do. New episodes every Wednesday and Saturday. Check us out at nickandrust.com. And find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many more, including YouTube. Thank you, and I love you all. Mwah! That was Nick and Russ from Nick and Russ Don't Know Anything. Make sure you tune in and hit that subscribe button. And who are the, some of the wrestlers that you actually worked with? Um, was there anybody that would be well-known not on the independent circuit that have made it somewhere where people would know them? Or was it more just mainly independent uh, workers? I've, I mainly worked independent workers, but I, I've met my share, uh, whether whether I've worked them or worked with them, like on the same show or or they wound up showing up at some event that I was at. You know, I have met some of the, the bigger names. I mean, just, if I'm going to if I'm going to list names, I might as well start off with my trainers, my official trainers who were uh, Anthony Sorelli and uh, Anthony Sorelli and Gary Wolf, the ECW. Pitbulls. You know, yeah. so. Yeah. I had them as trainers, and of course, uh, through my course of training, I wound up meeting people like uh, Dancing Stevie Richards, uh, Luke and Butch the Bushwhackers. Uh, I told a story before about meeting George D. Animal Steel for GWA and uh, how he was supposed to rip open the turnbuckle like he always does, but the promoter had just bought brand new turnbuckles, so they were supposed to put one just for him, an older one. And when it was time for him to rip up the turnbuckle, he went to the wrong turnbuckle and ripped up one of his uh, Izzy's uh, $400 turnbuckle pads. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, I've had long conversations with George Steele. I've gotten drunk with... Uh, with uh honky tonk man i've gotten high with uh rob van dam uh gotten drunk with chris jericho <laughs> had long conversations with uh jimmy Snook, uh superfly snooka god i've met aj styles and cm punk before they became names uh yeah there's just a lot a lot of different people throughout the years and, and how were they in terms of like if you were saying that you got drunk with chris jericho how was that because right now he's kind of older i think he's 47 48 years old around there and he's just reinvented his whole career in aew right now he's just a fantastic performer fantastic uh, like just to get his his persona out there uh, even with rob van dam i know we used to tease him we have been to a couple of ecw events uh, one in philly a couple in toronto when they had come to toronto and we would just like you know he would look at us showboating at the camera and we would just be tapping our watches like come on man you're taking too long like this is ridiculous and you know he'd give us a smile from time to time when when he would see us um, but how was it just hanging out with those guys and just shooting the shit 
Uh, well, you know, the, the, the Rob Van Dam thing, like the, the, I know you asked about Chris Jericho, but to give you an example, like the Rob Van Dam thing was completely by accident. Uh, it was it, it was guilty by association as somebody else that I knew knew him. So they met up with him and it was just like, you know, I was standing there like, oh, dude, it's fucking RVD, you know, and shit like that. And the ECW days. So he was he was a big deal to me, but not necessarily to the rest of the world yet. Right. You know what I mean? And so yeah, he's just, hey, dude, you want to smoke? You know, yeah. Uh, Dancy Steven Richards, for example, uh, the big thing I had in common with him is he's a huge video game buff. So, uh, you know, anytime I talk to him, we usually just bullshit about the next Resident Evil game. Uh, Chris Jericho, I met because one of the wrestlers who wasn't the Pitbulls, but also took interest in in training me or helping train me, became a very good friend, was uh, named Midnight. And he was part of a, a faction called the My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult. He was the one who was actually friends with Chris Jericho during the day that Jericho was working in WCW and in ECW and you know he was still doing the Lionheart gimmick and so on occasion when Jericho would come into town into Philly he would stay and crash on Midnight's couch so that's how I wound up with that because I was hanging out with with, uh, Midnight one night and Jericho wound up showing up and we just sat around bullshitting and drinking and he was really there to hang out with with Midnight and I just got to sit there and listen, you know, more than anything because I was a greenhorn at the time. So, you know, you don't talk to the vets until they talk to you. So, yeah, Yeah. it was cool. He, He seemed like a very down to earth guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, a lot of them do. I mean, even if I know you kind of have to put out that that vibe when you do uh, public appearances, uh, stuff like that. I mean, we went there's that stuff like that again. Um, But we we ended up meeting a bunch of them. We went to a restaurant. They came to Toronto for a show. And this was years ago. Uh, But we we ended up going to a restaurant that they were known to frequent when they came to Toronto. So I was able to meet Edge. I was able to meet uh, Val Venus. Big Boss Man, Nikolai Volkov. There was there was a whole bunch of them, Christian. And they, they were nice enough while they were eating dinner to give out autographs. And, and they were really like just down to earth, really cool guys. Godfather was pissed drunk out of his mind. It was, <laughs> it was, it was hilarious. But I mean, it, it was really, really cool that they took the time because I, I went up to Edge and my friend was with me and she had said, come get his autograph, come get his autograph. And I said, leave the man alone. He's eating. I said, we'll go and we'll see him afterwards and see if we can get an autograph later. And she's like, no, no, no. He said, it's cool. He said, it's cool. She brought me over and she said, my friend here is shy. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. And I still have that autograph to today. And it says to shy Tom from edge. (laughs) Nice. Yes. From from personal experience. And maybe it's because I was on the inside, uh, you know, inside looking out instead of the outside looking in. But to me, I think uh, even as a kid, like uh, I knew I knew people who were part of the independent circuit when I was still a teenager and I got dragged to shows and stuff. And I got to meet people like the warlord, you know what I mean? And and all. And and even then, I knew that the wrestlers were this different breed of people. Most, not all, not all. Don't get me wrong here. And I definitely don't want to out some people in the business, but most wrestlers are more approachable than for the sake of argument. Uh, I've had this conversation numerous times about an ex-girlfriend and, and myself being at the Denver art museum. And, uh, she and her mother are huge, huge Beatles fans. Well, who happens to be in the art museum that day, but fucking Ringo star, you know, oh, wow. And, you know, and and Ringo's there with his somebody, some girl. I don't know if it was his wife or whatever. And uh, they were all, oh my God, it's Ringo, it's Ringo, it's Ringo. And I said I would go up and 
talk to him and see if I can possibly get an autograph. Now, I'm respectful enough and understand that Ringo's there trying to have a normal life. So I didn't want to draw attention to him. But I walked up and, you know, looking at the same painting he is just standing there. And I'm like, look, excuse me, Mr. Ringo, you know, I don't mean to intrude. I'm sure you're trying to enjoy your day and everything. But the thing is, is that my girlfriend and her mother are here and they are huge, huge fans. Would it be possible, not now, but maybe before you leave or whatever, that I could possibly get an autograph or maybe just have them come over and say hello to you? And he just looks at me and told me to fuck off and walks away. Like, what a dick. Oh, wow. you know? And I tried to yeah. be so respectful to him. You yeah. know, and not be too intrusive. And he just turns around, and tells me to fuck off. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, it, I, like, know I haven't had any experiences like that. I mean, we had uh, UFC had come to Toronto and we went down to the fan expo okay. and all the fighters were down there. So I had met Anderson Silva. I had met John Jones. I have met Cain uh, um, Velasquez. And we ran into like Rashad Evans. He was just actually in our like it's called Dundas Square. So it's just a big uh, area down there where, you know, it's just a big part of downtown. And we just bumped into him literally walking down the street and we we're like, hey, how's it going? And he stopped and he talked with us. He took a picture. Uh, he told us where what booth he was going to be at at the expo. He said, come see me. Um, we ran into Frank Mir, um, his promoter, I guess, or his manager. And they didn't have anything to sign with. They they didn't bring markers to sign autographs with. So we ended up giving him ours. So he was actually the manager to, I believe it was uh, uh, Chuck Liddell as well, uh, for the autograph session. And we said, hey, like, can we get an autograph? And he's like, guys, come on. I was like, we gave you markers to sign for Frank Mir. You had nothing to sign for the, the, the fans. And he was like, you're going to use that? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to use that. I want Chuck Liddell's <laughs> autograph, you know? So he actually went and got it and he, he did it for us. So I was happy about that. But he was kind of playing that dick mode where he was he didn't want to do it just because we gave him markers. But we helped you out. So just give us an autograph, right? So it was, that's the way it worked out. But for the most part with anybody that we have met, they've been fantastic with us. There was there was uh, one time there was one time that, that, that you kind of reminded me of uh, I was working volunteering before I was a wrestler. I was volunteering at a youth group, uh, Tabor Rams Youth Organization, and they had actually secured ECW to do a show at Tabor Rams uh, rec center. So it was a it was an adult show. They had alcohol and stuff like that. So I was sit, standing there drinking a beer and I was actually mining the uh, the, 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 the the keg, the, the concession area. And uh the match was uh, Shane Douglas versus Tommy Dreamer. And uh, they went out in the crowd like they do. And Tommy walks up to me uh, as he's dragging Shane Douglas along. And he grabs my beer out of my hand. And he says, I'll, I'll buy you another one. And he slams the beer in in uh, uh, Shane Douglas's face. And the match goes on. I'm just like, you know, I didn't mind because I'm working. Because I just poured another one. But I'm like, Tommy Dreamer took my fucking cup. That's cool, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, after the show, you know, we're running around trying to get autographs like everybody else. And I met little Guido and I met, you know, you know, some of the other guys, Sandman and and Scott Levy and and shit. And here comes Tommy Dreamer out of the locker room with his gear and he's getting ready to leave. And I go over to try to get his autograph. Didn't even mention the the beer or anything. And he he looks at me as I'm walking up to him. He's like, 
I owe you your beer, don't I? I said, well, let's don't worry about it. Concession's closed anyway. He said, no, 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 come with me. So I walked him out to his car, and he opens up his trunk, and he throws his gear in the thing, and then he opens up one of the boxes here that he carries all the merchandise for ECW, and he just gives me an ECW shirt. He says, well, let's cover it. And I said, I was just going to ask for an autograph, dude. Yeah, cool, awesome. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's pretty cool. I mean, it, they, 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 most of them I would find are nice. Like we in Toronto, even with the uh, ECW event that was here, we were just standing in line. And and I think, you know, with the ECW arena, with the bingo hall, there was more first come first serve. You, you have to stand in line pretty early to get in. Uh, there's no assigned seating, I think, except for right at ringside. Right. Um, and then in Toronto, it was the same concept. They did the same thing. We were in a smaller arena and we had to go at, I believe it was six in the morning. We got there it was me and my buddy and we waited for another eight guys to come down and uh, meet us because they're like, I'm not going at six in the morning. You guys go, you wait in line and then we'll join you later. So I said, no problem. Let's go. And it ended up being that security thought that I was one of the wrestlers. And I was standing in line and they told me, go ahead, go on backstage. And me at that point was sitting there going, really? I'm just allowed to walk right back there? And they're like, yeah, Paul Heyman's here. Chili Willie's here. You know, just go right onto the back. And I was like, no, like you're, you're, you're saying that I can just walk in the back there. So they had thought that I was a wrestler and I was like stupid. That I didn't take the opportunity to just walk back there because right. they probably would have thought maybe a mass transit incident or I'm trying to get in or whatever it is. But Spike Dudley ended up coming out and meeting with the fans in the lineup. And it was super cool because he was just taking pictures with everybody, giving everybody autographs. And, you know, Spike Dudley's not a huge, huge name uh, that a lot of people would know. But growing up a wrestling fan, you would know who he is. He, he's and, more well-known than what he was. I mean, he was a small guy, but that, there ain't nobody in this business currently or back then that had the heart Spike did. You know, that, right. that that's just without question. Yeah. And it was just it was just so cool to have him come out to the line. He took a picture with us with like his like kind of trademark face with his thumb up and he had like the lip over to the side and he mm-hmm. had a beer in his hand. And it was just a cool uh, kind of uh, situation that came to be there. And uh, that's what I mean by saying a lot of these guys are they're so for being around the fans and, and appreciating the fans as well. As long as you're not hardcore, like dent, like running at them and, you know, like screaming like uh, concert goers or whatever it is. I'm sure they're all pretty, pretty good about it. I don't I don't know if it's, uh, you know, plant or not plant. I, I know, you know, a lot of times there's work in the worker, but I've seen footage of like uh, like for the sake of argument, like John Cena uh, coming to a coming to an arena and and, you know, fans are there to meet and greet and stuff like that as he's trying to walk in. And then somebody challenges him to a rap off because he was famous for the rap off shit. And yeah. like they would they would actually try to do the the, the rapping disses like he would do to him. And he, he'd play along. Like, you know, again, that could be that could be a complete and total work. But it seems to me like right. some of them even play. Like, I know The Rock does it. The Rock, when he was wrestling, he was constantly uh, pulling the uh, it doesn't matter what you, you know, to the fans and shit like that. And having them play off of him and him play off of them and, and shit like that. So, I mean, you know, I think I think I think some of them get off on it. I, I really do like not dirty or whatever, but they, they play along as opposed to like having an issue with the over the top fan right yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, i i know you had mentioned that you don't even watch the product today at all um it's, it's terrible do you know anything that's going on yeah i i feel the same way i, I can't even I, I can't even watch it like i could literally pvr it and watch it in seven to eight minutes just fast forwarding uh, through the whole thing 
uh, I'm just not happy with with uh, I I don't know much about AEW. I got to be fair. I haven't really watched. I watched the first pay-per-view, the inaugural show. That that got premiered, and I didn't think it was terrible, but I said, "Yeah, I'll give it a minute and see what see what the buzz is about, see what it does." Because at that point, it was just like you know, okay, Dusty Rhodes versus Cody Rhodes, gee, not original, you know, type. Yeah. And uh, but the WWE, like to me, the E after the ruthless aggression era, not not the attitude, not the otherwise. When when they stopped doing. Uh, I don't want to use the term adult wrestling, but but when they decided to go Disney friendly with their PG shit, yeah. they lost something. And and I said they lost something since the end of the Monday Night Wars. When Vince uh, bought WCW and ECW, he was his own worst enemy because the yeah. storylines, the talent, the, the 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 progressions in the matches and the shows was all dictated by the fact that he had competition and he had to be better than his competition. Now that there's no competition, that which is what I'm hoping AEW and things like Impact actually provide, uh, Ring of Honor provide, is is actual competition to WWE to give them a fire under their ass to actually put out a better product because the storyline writing has been sloppy as shit. The in-ring work is terrible. Like people are singing praises about girl power and the, the women wrestlers. And I'm going to say something that's very unpopular. There are some very, very talented female wrestlers in WWE right now, but they look sloppy as shit. And that is disgraceful to me. When you think of when I think of female wrestlers, I think of Bull Nakano. I think of Medusa. You know, I think of wrestlers like that who who went out there and you outside of the outfits, you could not tell that they were male or female because they just went out and whooped somebody's ass and their shit tight and and deliberate and every bump, every cell, everything looked right and then ever since the trish stratus shit now it's better than the trish stratus era but i mean you know that was the era where where it was more about how diva you look and diva (laughs) than how solid you are in the ring and i do like the fact that this new incarnation of the women's division has gone back to the traditions of of being about wrestling more than about you know about uh looks but it doesn't look sharp it doesn't look good it doesn't look deliberate like they need again, they need to spend less time worrying about making Becky Lynch look like the man and more about Becky Lynch looking like she can kick the shit out of a man. Yeah. Honest opinion. Yeah. But then on the yeah. opposite end of the coin, you think about you think about all the heydays of WWE or wrestling in general, but especially in WWE. You could always hang your hat on select groups of people as far as in the men's division is concerned. You know, um, you always had Hogan. But Hogan also had Andre and he had Macho Man and, you know, stuff like that. And then the Attitude Area, you had your Bret Hart and you had your Sid Vicious's and you had your Shawn Michaels. But you also had your Triple H's. You also had, you know, uh, uh, Kevin. Austin and Rock. And and Rock. And, you know, you had those people. I don't think you have anybody in the E right now that's worthy of it. AJ, maybe. Sure. I, I would give credit to uh, the long-haired one from uh, from the the Shield, not not Roman Reigns, but uh, Seth Rollins. Seth, Seth, yeah. You know, you, maybe you can hang something on them, but that's kind of it. 
you know? Yeah, break- well, I think the problem is, is they're not they're not letting any other superstars take that chance and going with them. They're still shoving the same stars down your throat week after week after week. And there's wrestlers sitting back there that, you know, you, you could probably build and probably work a program with an AJ Styles to help them because, you know, AJ Styles is going to pull a four or five star match out of you. Right. Um, he's, you know, he's super talented. But, you know, you still have the same guys. And then, you know, they're bringing back the older guys as well. Like last night, I think, or Friday night, whenever SmackDown is on, um, I read that Joseph Park showed up, who was Abyss in TNA. (laughs) And uh, he showed up with AJ Styles as Joseph Park. And, you know, now you're wondering, what are they going to do with him? Like, you're probably about five to seven years too late on that, that train with Abyss. I'll tell you right now, my, right now, the one thing I do know is that they they are drowning, drowning, probably the strongest gimmick they've had. And that's Bray Wyatt. Yeah, they, they are going to kill him the same way you kind of killed the legend of Cactus Jack, in my opinion. Uh, Cactus yep. Jack was phenomenal. And and of course, the mankind gimmick was solid when it came to WWE. But then you did the dude love and then the triple jumping between gimmick and gimmick gimmick kind of killed the, the legend of Cactus Jack for McFoley. I see the exact same issue with Bray Wyatt. When Bray Wyatt came in with this deliverance style fucking crazy firefly gimmick, that Whale was and mercy kind of gimmick. Yeah, the Whale and mercy. That was all you needed. He was sold. He was solid, you know. Yeah. But now, what is he? The fucking virus or what? I don't. I'm not even the sure. fiend. The fiend. The fiend. Like, what the fuck is? What are you doing with this guy? You know. Yeah. What I mean? <laughs> yeah. And he's he's a solid worker. He, he is. really is a solid worker. He puts on solid matches. I remember when they first brought him in. He was Husky Harris. And he was part of Nexus, some Nexus group that they had that had Wade Barrett and uh, mm-hmm. uh, can't remember a couple of the other guys that were in there. Titus O'Neil, I think. And, uh, you know, nobody really gave two shits about him at that point. It was just like, right. who's this guy? And and it, and, it, and it is what it is. And then he became this whole Bray Wyatt character. And that was a, that was an amazing gimmick. It was an awesome gimmick. Um, but then you you kind of, you know, I, I don't know if you watered it down because you had the, the Bludgeon Brothers in there with uh, uh, what are their names again? I mean, the guys in uh, AEW now, uh, the two tag team guys, uh, Rowan and. Uh, oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. I don't know their names. You know, and then they brought uh, Braun Strowman into the mix as well. And, you know, and, and Bray could have worked that gimmick all by himself. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So I mean, it, it was it was it is what it is. It was literally Undertaker's ministry. Yeah. Undertaker didn't need the ministry. He didn't need Viscera and 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 what was Humorous's character in it? You know, and, and you, you know what I mean. Like it, yeah. it was it was stupid for the ministry. Like the Undertaker didn't need it. Bray Wyatt didn't need his flock family, whatever the fuck it was. You know, yeah. uh, it's just but Bray's gimmick. With the like you said, like the Whale and Mercy gimmick was was solid. You you didn't have to fuck with it. There are times where you have to change gimmicks, like you like you said with uh with with changing to Bry from Husky Harris. That's just like remember Dolph Ziggler was one of the uh, was one of the uh, Spirit Squad. Yeah, originally, yep. you know. So Nikki, I think his name was. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So I mean, sometimes a gimmick change is good, but sometimes when you find the right gimmick, leave it alone. Yeah. I mean, they, the the writers, they, I don't know if they do it as punishment to some of these guys. Um, but they had, 
Dolph Ziggler was playing one of the cheerleaders from the the, the squad, and then you had uh, Chavo Guerrero, who's a, an amazing worker, who started to play Kerwin White, who was uh, like a golf caddy. And uh, I don't remember it was Tony Atlas that was back in the day that they started to play like an African tribesman. So I don't I don't know if it's um, the wrestlers that are actually going to him and saying, hey, I want to try this gimmick or if they're being punished for something, because some of these gimmicks are just way out there. And, and I don't know how they're even allowed to be on TV. Vince must be just sitting in the back just laughing. Well, I mean, they're still not as bad as they were. Like, if you remember back in the days of the uh, WWF superstar and, and challenge shows on Saturday mornings or, or Sunday mornings. You know, and you remember the gimmicks like uh, the goon, you know, yeah. uh, or the hockey skates, boots. Yeah. Or my all time favorite was who for, no, from who knows where weighing who knows what. And you couldn't tell it was Jim the Anvil Nightheart under a hood with yellow spandex. On. Right. <laughs> yeah. And These then you had Mantar. Yeah, Mantar. Yeah. Ashton. There, yeah. Bastion. Bastion Booger, yeah, I remember yeah. him. The draw, the short straw, you know. Uh, Eugene, God forbid, Eugene gimmick, you know. I, I mean, I, that would never fly today. That would never fly today. Having somebody play a special needs kind of character, uh, almost in terms of making fun of it. I don't know. Because he wasn't really special needs, right? So I think people would get offended at it. No, he wasn't really special needs, but I don't know. The, the way Eugene was played, he was lovable enough that people might have just forgiven it. Even yeah. today. Yeah. You know, like I, I didn't mind. That was Nick Densmore. And I didn't I didn't mind the gimmick back then. But I know the way the world is today with a lot of people getting offended with a lot of things. I, and I'm not sure how they would take it today. No, you're you're not wrong. And I think I think that's part of what's killing wrestling the same way it's killing comedy and, and everything else is the fact of worrying about being within the political correct realm. You know, part of part of what makes wrestling work is it's very much a commentary on on modern events. Think about it. Back during the Gulf Wars, when Sergeant Slaughter became a turncoat and an Iraqi so, uh, soldier, you know, and had to battle Hulk Hogan, the ultimate all-American. It was it was a complete mirror of current events at that time. You know, yeah. uh, Degeneration X's rise in in uh, in WWE was mirrored to the fact of the angsty teenagers growing up and refusing to bow to authority. You know, um, it, it's always been a mirror to current events. Now, current events, as everybody's offended by everything so much, and you can't make fun of this or make fun of that well how are you supposed to mirror that if you don't create the bad guys that you're supposed to be battling against right you know? yeah it's kind of a catch yeah, definitely it's, <laughs> it's 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 hard to watch now it's just hard to watch and um like i said like i could run through a three-hour episode in 10 10 minutes because well, i'm just fast forwarding it and it's just like this no no don't want to see this i don't care i don't care i don't care and then you get to some point you're like okay let me check this out and then you get halfway through the segment and you're nah, this I don't care. So it's not the way I, I, the 97, I guess, 97 to 99 to 2001 would probably be my favorite years in terms of, I guess, the storylines and the characters involved and uh, just just the the sheer entertainment value that came out of it. Those would probably be my favorite years. 
I, I wouldn't disagree. And, I, and I'll be fair in this aspect. I think the mainstream wrestling is suffering right now. Yeah. Uh, obviously, everybody's suffering because of COVID. But I mean, uh, you know, the mainstream wrestling is the one suffering the most right now because of poor storylines, poor, uh, poor decisions. Like I, I was falling off on Raw long before AEW came around or whatever, just because of the fact, like you said, I could watch a three hour show and I'm lucky if I get three wrestling matches out of it. You yeah. Know? Yeah, and and the reason of being is because they're only putting on three wrestling matches. The rest of it's you know mic work, which you know yeah. I having my time on the stick too. But I'd keep my shit the fucking five minutes, not ninety five minutes. Yeah, know, whatever. And uh, so I think once everything kind of returns to normal, once COVID is over, if you, if people are starving for wrestling, just hit the independents. You'll get yeah. what you want. You know. <laughs> They may not be games, but you'll get what you want. Yeah, definitely. Because like right now, I mean, here with, I guess, my channels, I would only get the major ones. So I would get um, WWE. I would get AEW. I get Ring of Honor, but it's kind of iffy at what times it's on. It's sometimes uh, sometimes it's on like Sunday afternoon at five o'clock. And sometimes it's on like a Saturday at like 2 p.m. And so it's hit and miss if I if I'm able to catch it. Um, But other than that, like the independents, we don't really get any kind of airtime for that. I know for if if they have any airtime, but uh, uh, the independents here, I don't know if we have many like very many independent shows that actually are in Toronto. I don't know the extent of that. I don't know how far you are from Calgary, but I know like the, you know, Stampede Wrestling still running. I mean, that's got a legend. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a that's far, far away. Like I'm closer to Philly than I am to Calgary. OK, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, if you're close enough to Philly, just come down and watch Ring of Honor. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just I don't know. It's just it's a whole different game now for for, uh, for wrestling. And it's just bah, I, I don't even want to be bothered anymore. I, I, I just read the recaps online sometimes and and mostly because I like like you, I had gotten out of the wrestling scene. But when I was working uh, with special needs kids, I had this one student that I was working with and his favorite thing was wrestling. And he would talk to me about it every single day. And mm-hmm. I, I felt the need that I had to catch up on some stuff just because I could actually communicate with this this kid. And he would just ask me, did you see this? Did you see this? And I'd say, I did, I did. Or I'd say, you know what? I, I didn't watch it. I, I taped it. Don't tell me what happened just in case I had forgotten to read up on the re- results. And that's how I kind of got back into it. And then AEW started. But, you know, they're starting to, to, to snag all the guys from WWE that got released. So all of their guys are starting to, like, go down to the bottom of the card. And the WWE guys are getting top spot. Luke Harper, that's the other guy's name. Oh, OK. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, he's in the AEW now. So uh, it, it just, for me, it's it's too much. Well, you see, you're, you're, you're right where I am. I mean, I, I feel terrible because, like, I go on these interviews and, and stuff that uh, that gets set up and I'm, I'm not an interview guy uh, because I don't not because I don't like to talk. I'll sit here and bullshit with you all day, but I don't like to yeah. be interviewed because of the fact that, like, you know, who the hell am I? You know what I mean? I'm, I'm yeah. a guy in my basement right now, you know, talking on a computer and that's all I am. Sure, I could talk about my years of wrestling, but. I was an independent guy. Most people don't know who the hell I am. My musical career, sure, okay. Uh, if you didn't live in Denver from, you know, up until 2007 or live in Philly before 2000, you don't know who the hell I am musically. You know, and even then, right. 
you had to be in the scene to fucking know who the hell I am. So, I mean, who wants to talk to me, you know? So it's very weird because people who do know that I'm a, a professional wrestler or former professional wrestler, that's the first thing I want to talk about is wrestling. And I always feel bad because of the fact that it's like, well, I don't watch it anymore. You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. No. But I you know what? It's still it. good to sit there and shoot the shit, even about the, like the uh, the late '90s and and the good runs that they had there, and and the Monday Night Wars and the NWO and the DXs and the Austins and the Rocks and you know the the stuff that we kind of grew up watching and kind of grew up being entertained by compared to what is on TV today. Oh yeah, I still got DVDs uh, that I've collected over the years. I could put them in and watch, you know, like yeah. Wrestling with Shadows with the. Uh, with Bret Hart or the Owen Hart story yeah. or, you know, in your house, Philadelphia or, you know, from 96 or, uh, you know, whatever, whatever, what, what have you, I'll watch that shit all day. But as far as the yeah. new stuff, I uh, have you actually watched on HBO? They have a documentary called Dark Side of the Ring. Have you checked that out? I've seen it on YouTube. Uh, I've seen the rebroadcast yeah. on YouTube. I watched the uh Owen Hart one, and I watched what was the other one? I watched the uh, uh, Eddie Guerrero, yeah, Eddie Guerrero, story. and then there's a Chris oh, Benoit Chris one, and yeah. yeah, yeah, and then they have like Gino Hernandez and, and a couple of them, Dino Bravo, even the episodes were actually excellent and really, really well done. Uh, a lot of information out there that you know people wouldn't generally know of some of the stories that had happened out there. I don't, we don't know how much is fact and how much is put together, but I mean HBO is not going to, you know, sugarcoat things for, I guess, lack of a better term of faking the whole episode just to get the ratings. Uh, I think that it, it was generally most of the information that was there, so I think it was pretty cool. Well, there's always been a stigma to wrestling. I mean, like you mentioned, Dano Bravo, uh, for an example. I mean, for the most most part, most people know that it was mob hit that killed him. You know, and, yeah. and you know that was back in the day when wrestling had ties with the mafia. You know, yeah. uh, and so and, I, and they go into that in that episode. They say it's a mob hit, and they you know they say who was probably who who it was that probably did it, and so I mean they go into a lot of detail about the personal background stories. I know even with Owen Hart, his I think his wife didn't want some of the information released, so I don't think they had clearance to to say certain things or show certain things uh, on that episode. But uh, I think pretty much the the whole series was really well done. I think they're in season two or season three is coming up. And they have a lot. They have a lot of good episodes. So, well, if I anybody gotta, is listening, go check it out. I think it was really well done. I think I got to dig deeper into it because you're you're right. It it was really well done, and especially the Owen Hart one. Like, I found myself bawling again because of it. And I think I think yeah. the uh, with Owen's wife, I think it's because of the fact that she still truly believes it's foul play. Yeah. She she probably didn't like the fact that the the conclusion is still it was just an accidental death or or neglect. Yeah. Of of equipment on the, uh, the 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 people that were supposed to do the riggings part, not WWE. Yeah. She thinks no, you know what I mean. So I I think I think that's probably what she's most upset about is that it's still being portrayed as well. This was just a glitch. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, yeah. I have but no even with the Chris Benoit episode, you know, you 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 look at that episode and you say, man, like 
the, the doctors would say that this guy's brain was mush. It was like the, the brain of like a three year old when they took it out of him mm-hmm. uh, or they opened him up just because of the amount of chair shots or the amount of uh, hits to the head that he took during his wrestling career doing, I, I guess, especially with the diving headbutt that he would always connect with that on some part of the body. His head was still getting trauma on it. Right. And I guess that, uh, you know, had, his, uh, had an effect on the brain. We don't know what else he was actually going through at the time. I think Chris Jericho actually narrates that episode as well. And he was friends with Chris Benoit, mm-hmm. and, you know, and there's just things that we don't know uh, that happened with you when you were in it. Did you feel like, did you ever have a chair shot to the head or anything, oh. <laughs> anything like that? Like what, what effect do you feel like that had on you? Like concussions and had, what happened with that with you? I had a couple yeah. of concussions and I would argue the point that there are some times that I may have like uh, memory lapses. Not severe, just, you know, like, uh, say short term, like, it's going to sound like Alzheimer's for a minute, but like walking into a kitchen and forgetting what I went in there for type, type uh, memory losses. But, you know, nothing, nothing too cognitive. My my damage has been more physical. Ever since I retired, I started feeling some of the damages I did to my knees and my back, you know, and stuff like that. That uh, now it's like now I've reached that point where it's like I can't do that shit no more. You know what I mean? I always yeah. joke I got one more run in me, one more match in me. I don't know if I do, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I was lucky enough that I didn't do as much cerebral damage as some wrestlers go through. I mean, I've taken chair shots and I've taken DDTs or whatever where I wasn't protected. Right. And, you know, it'll, it'll ring your bell and leave you forgetting uh, what week, what day it is that week for a couple days, you know, but nothing that so far knock wood has been long lasting. Um, hasn't fucked with my motor skills or anything. And part of part of the decision to retire uh, in 2012 that I did is I didn't want to wind up walking like Mick Foley. Like, you know, I was still in my thirties at the time, you know, and all. And I just, I did not want to, you know, wind up at the end of the day being in my fifties in a wheelchair. You know what I mean? Right. Especially cause I, in 2012, I still had really young kids that, you know, they're still young, but they're not as young anymore. But, uh, I had really young kids and I didn't want to have to be that guy that can't pick up his daughter. You know what I mean? So right. that was kind of the, the end all decision for me to finally say, you know what? It's time to give up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and what was your favorite match of yours? Uh, the match I can't remember. No. Um, I had a match in Colorado for the interregional title match, uh, or interregional title, which was kind of their intercontinental or U S title for Rocky Mountain Championship Wrestling. And it was aptly titled the uh, Harvest of Destruction match because it took place around Halloween. And what this was was basically a Falls Count Anywhere Four Corners of Death match um, where we had, you know, we had barbed wire, we had stop signs, we had, you know, all, all the all the trimmings you know and uh i was taking on a guy named shama tango and we had been going through a feud for the past year where i would get this close to taking the belt from him and he fucked me over and you know whatever and then i had to work my way up the rank again and the 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 two weeks before the match i had to do a a triple threat tables match for number one contendership and you know i wound up winning so here's my shot it's my final shot this is the final time if i can't get it now then I lose the opportunity to ever go after it again. And, you know, 
I wind up winning the match that night. But Shama and I, we were very close friends. Like, understand, we worked together for the last year doing this storyline and this feud that it was the type of uh, friendship where we no longer pulled punches. Like, I, I, you know, people people know we choreograph shit. We know we pull our punches and all. Uh, but Shama and I became so close friends that, like, we would give face-offs to each other, and the crowd would get so electrified that we would just be like, you want to do it? They'd be like, fuck it, throw it. And next thing you know, we're we're throwing real fists, and we're, we're going ham on each other, you know, contacting everything. And then the following day, we'd meet up in the bar and bitch about what we did to each other. You know what I mean? Like, we had that kind of friendship. So when it came to Harvest, we went all out, and it became literally the bloodiest at the time, the bloodiest match in Colorado wrestling history. Oh, wow. uh, to the point that when the show was over, the staff made Shama and I mop up. They wouldn't do oh. it. It looked like a murder scene, you know? Wow. And so I'm very, very proud of that match, even though I don't remember half of it because we beat the shit out of each other that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 pretty interesting. I mean, I, I think if I was working the crew, I would actually make you guys clean it up too. I don't think I'd want to do that either. <laughs> Well, it was funny, you know, you're, you're sitting there, you're, you're getting taped up and stuff like that, you know, making sure you don't need stitches, getting checked out by the EMTs and shit, and somebody's handing you a mop, like, I ain't touching that. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. That's probably one of my most favorites, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, we're going to take one more break to help out another podcast. Every 73 seconds, someone is sexually assaulted in the United States. We are here to tell you, you are not alone. Blackbird, an advocacy podcast, tells the stories of victims and survivors of true crime with a focus on the support these survivors need. We provide information for those who have endured trauma and for those who love someone who has. Tune in every Sunday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts to hear these stories of hope, survival, and empowerment. No one should go through this alone. We believe you. That was Sarah from Blackbird, an advocacy podcast. Make sure you tune in and hit that subscribe button. So let's go a little bit back to uh, your podcast that you're doing um, and just talk to uh, people out there that are listening I know it's not live right now, but uh, when they do listen to this episode, what they can expect from your podcast, uh, maybe one of your favorite episodes that you've done on your podcast, maybe one of your favorite guests that you've had on, just so that they may be uh, interested in going and checking out your podcast. Well, I'll tell you what, the uh, the, the, the new one, uh, the new version, the uh, BT4, BT4W Weekly Show, which is Breaking the Fourth Wall's weekly show. Uh, the, this new episode, which we aptly titled Petting the Moist Snails, um, listen to the show, you'll understand <laughs> why we titled that. But uh, that was probably one of one of the funnest shows that I've done in quite a while. And it was because of the panel, because we, we all created segments for the show that will be regular segments into the show besides the interview portion of it, which you know, like we're doing now, I would record, make it a segment, but it would get put aside until we record the show. And then I would put it in, in its proper spot. We sat around the round table. One of the first segments we did, we did, uh, uh, was, uh, was Don Smith of the life radio who, uh, 
is now a panelist for Breaking the Fourth Wall as well. And his, his segment is uh, uh, the news buffet. It may not be worth a shit, but there's a lot of it. And what it is is just crazy news from around the world. And the way he presented it and some of the stories he brought us, like uh, like a woman believing that she's found the cure for COVID because she drinks smoothies with men's semen in it. Oh, <laughs> dear God. Oh, yeah. And these are legitimate stories. <laughs> these aren't like, you know, just things we made up for jokes. And I mean, yeah. it absolutely hilarious you know you guys you guys definitely got to check out the new breaking the fourth wall it's going to be releasing every every tuesday and of course breaking the fourth wall interviews are going to be happening as they happen like uh you know we're going to be doing one together and, and stuff like that for that as well so you can always find those i think some of my favorite uh interviews i i god oh, pfft. Now you're going to make me think because um, there's been a couple of them that I absolutely loved. Uh, I think one of my favorites. God, what was the name of their show? Oh, God. Give me give me give me a minute of the brain to brainstorm this. I got to remember the name uh, of the, the podcast that I interviewed. And it was the whole group. And uh, while I was interviewing them, literally, they took over my show and started interviewing me. <laughs> and it was absolutely it was absolutely chaos about a half hour into the uh the uh interview uh is when i was like wait a minute this is my show you know what I mean? yeah and uh it was it was uh the the guys from credence and bishop's show go check them out they're absolutely hilarious you know they, they that was an absolute fun interview and go check out their podcast they were great uh probably one of my all-time favorite episodes i ever did though uh and i've told this story numerous times so anybody who's ever heard me talk about it before you're you're probably going to be bored for a minute but uh was uh when we used to do the the pa- panel roundtable uh breaking the fourth wall on radio cast fm uh we used to have to censor our shit for the show because they radio cast fm tried to keep it radio friendly and uh one particular time we were, I believe we were uh, reviewing Ghostbusters 2016. So you can pretty much guess how that how that goes. <laughs> and uh, so I had to do a lot of editing, bleeping and stuff because it was just hot garbage. And uh, I sent the, 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 the show off the radio cast to be aired and they didn't check my work and just put it out there. Some Karen got mad because one word did not get bleeped out. The word was twat for anybody who wants to know. And I was forced to give a public apology on radio cast FM for offending this one woman. And wow. so after I got humiliated like that i wound up going on skype with a bunch of the people from from the panel and we were having a meeting discussing on on whether we wanted to continue our association with radio cast or just break off on our own and and do our own thing it wound up us deciding to record the, the the long story short is we wound up recording the the meeting and looking up the first off the george carlin's seven words you can't say on television which led into uh, looking up the SEC's rules of things that can't be said over airways. And I believe at the time it was 46 words. And then we spent an hour to an hour and a half uh, coming up with shit that wasn't on that list that we could use, like, you know, purple headed yogurt slinger, Um, you know, and and, uh, basically I got dared by one of the panelists uh, later on. He's like, what are you going to do with that? I said, nothing. I said, I'm just going to leave it here. He's like, you, you should, you should relieve it, release it. I said, no, nah, dude, fucking 
piss everybody off on the planet. He's like, you don't have the balls to release it. I said, oh, yeah? I said, I'll release it. And since it wasn't an official show, I'll call it After Hours. Wouldn't you know I released it? I, I released it called After Hours. Fuck the FCC. And when you know that was one of our hottest shows. <laughs> I fucking love it. I don't doubt it. Yeah. I don't so doubt it. That was probably one of my favorites just because it was so impromptu. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it, it sucks that you have to be careful of what you say because, you know, your, your fan base may be looking at it and saying, you know, I love the way that these guys are so unscripted. I love the way that they just speak their mind. And then it's that one person that's mm-hmm. going to get offended and that's going to take your whole podcast and almost shut it down because you're not allowed to say this. And especially if you belong to a community or a network or whatever it is, that one person is the one that's going to be able to ruin it for you. And that that just kind of sucks. Right. You know, and that that that's where we were. I mean, like I was friends with the owner of Radiocast. I still am. Uh, even though Radio yeah. Cat is no longer around, you know, so like I never, I was never upset at him. I was upset at being put in that position because one person couldn't handle one word. Right. It's yeah. like if listen, if you listen to the episode, there was so many curses that were bleeped out. Most people who listen to that episode have been like, even if they even caught twat, would have been like, okay, he missed one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like at worst, it's like I see how much he edited. I get it. I can forgive this. No, yeah. this and, and somebody took the time to actually write in or call into the network and say, you know, I'm so offended by this one word. Yeah, that, that's just a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. I know. I get it. I get it. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think that was one of my favorite episodes of all time. Was is, is still fuck the FCC. So <laughs> yeah, I, I'm definitely gonna have to check that one out for sure. I'll yeah. send you the link. <laughs> yeah. yeah, send me the link and I'll check that episode out because it's uh, it sounds really funny. It sounds like something that I would actually do, like listen to. And let me get even with you. How about you? Out of, out of the uh, shows that you've done, you got a favorite? Uh, you know, we 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 worked on this uh, project that we started uh, with a couple other uh, people, and we we called it the uh, podcast convention, and we did a virtual convention where we ran podcasts straight for 24 hours live. And we we all ran it through uh, StreamYard. And we did the whole uh, 45 minutes you got as a slot. And the three admins, we, we ran it together. And we had a blast. And it was 24 hours. And I stayed up the entire time to monitor them, even though the other admins, like they had their set hours that they were supposed to so we can get some rest. But I was like, you know what? This is too cool. This is This is really interesting. Uh, that we had like different podcasts on from around the world, like you had from UK, from the US, from Canada. Um, I, I don't remember where the other ones were from, but it was just so cool that we were able to set this up and we had it 24 straight hours. The next one that we run, we're trying to aim for a 48 hour one uh, where we can just run 48 hours straight of podcast. You're allowed to swear on it. Uh, it just streams straight to our Facebook group. And then from there, you can share it to YouTube or to uh, Instagram, like wherever you share your your, your stuff to. Uh, but it, it was just so it was just a different concept than what we've been doing lately. We haven't really done too many live shows. So that right. was really cool. I got my wife to come on with me uh, and we played a uh, husband and wife newlywed game, even though we're not newlyweds, uh, just yeah. to see how much we know about each other. And we got good feedback from it. Like a lot of people really enjoyed the episode and said, you know, we, we should all get together and play that game on a. A recorded episode together and and see how that goes so i think that was one of my favorite episodes right on well if you decide to do that 48 hour one let break in the fourth wall no i'm pretty sure we can come in and uh screw shit up for a couple hours yeah. for you. 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. It's it, it's like we just created this group. We we came up with the concept because I had started what I called the podcast roundtable. So I was interviewing other podcasts and I would have five or six on at a time. Right. And we would just shoot the shit about podcasting because we were all pretty new to the game. And I was just like, you know, what are your what, what are things that have hampered your start to podcasting and why did you get into it and why why the name and, you know, just a whole bunch of questions. And then somebody took it a step further and said, hey, why don't we do this? And I said, fantastic idea. If we can get it off the ground, let's run with it. So we did. And it was very successful. We thought we were going to run into a whole bunch of problems. And it, it was very minimal, the problems that we ran into. Uh, but we were able to like fix those on the fly and, and get the, the show running for a complete 24 hours. So it was, it was fantastic. We had live panels on the show as well. So we would invite different podcast hosts and we'd talk about how to market your podcast and women in podcasting. And it, it was just, it was so much fun. So we enjoyed doing that. I mean, I slept for the next two days seeing I was up for the, 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 that many hours, but it, it was a lot of fun. Right on. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You know, again, I keep forgetting this isn't my interview, but I, it kind of is, I guess, I guess what we're going to wind up doing here is, uh, uh, taking this interview and just broadcasting it both as breaking the fourth wall and, and, uh, pod yeah. jerky. It seems like that's yeah, going to, why not? Oh. So, uh, yeah. I, I guess I'll start this off then. Why don't you tell, uh, the listeners where they could find uh, for, for the breaking the fourth wall show, tell them where they could find your product. So ours are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. We're on all the major platforms at PodJerky, Instagram, Twitter at PodJerky as well. You can find our link tree. It's actually tap.bio forward slash at PodJerky. It'll give you all of our links. So it'll take you to YouTube. It'll take you to our web page, which we also have as well. Uh, it's not an official uh, I guess uh web page it's uh podjerky.wixsite.com forward slash podjerky and you can find a whole bunch of stuff there we have a, bu a bunch of blogs uh, some of our episodes are on there we have some videos on there um some of the stories that we've uh, actually covered on some of our episodes so uh, those are pretty much all of our social media handles that you can find us on we're pretty interactive with everybody who reaches out to us and tries to talk to us uh, we do get back to you pretty quickly uh, we are going back to work september 1st uh, as the schools are reopening uh, so if anybody does get back to us, then if we don't answer, that's where we are. And we will answer when we get home. Uh, <laughs> but we are actually very, very, very active uh, where we do respond to everybody. All right. And for your listeners, uh, if you're interested in breaking the fourth wall or any of the subsequent shows from Realm of the Mist Entertainment, just look up Realm of the Mist Entertainment on YouTube or on Anchor, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, wherever quality podcasts can be heard. Of course, look up uh, Breaking the Fourth Wall or Realm of the Mist on any of the social medias and uh, Realm of the Mist dot com for any future info. <laughs> and of course, I'm going to say I'm going to say to you. Before I let, let you do your outro for your show, uh, I'm just going to say to you that I promise I will give you a proper interview. But this one's definitely going to be an uh, in, uh, conversation interview on, on Breaking the Fourth Wall later on. So, <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I, I, thanks for coming on. I mean, I, I like these interviews better where I don't have to script anything. It's more of a, just a sit down, shoot the shit. 
you know, mm-hmm. talk about stories, stuff like that. I don't really care for some of the scripted stuff. Some of them you have to do because you just don't know enough about the guests that you're having on or the subject that you're talking about. Right. But, you know, these are these are more up my alley where I'm actually able to be myself and not sound so robotic and be able to just have a normal conversation. So I thank you for coming on the show. Uh, we appreciate it very much. Uh, absolutely. I appreciate being here. And uh, if I may just offer, I mean, that's the way I kind of do interviews anyways. I always come up with like one or two, I don't want to say generic questions, but a, a conversation starters. And then from there, I let the conversation dictate the questions. Uh, it's, it's the easiest way to get to know the person. I do. I mean, I do my research when I can do my research. But like you said, sometimes you get people you just can't research. Like, how do I research a sixth grade teacher? You know, you can't. Right. You know, so let the let the conversation dictate. I always found that's a better way to do it. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. But if you're doing stuff on music or movies or stuff like that, there's stuff that you have to have sitting in front of you where, you know, you got to take a quote from here or, you know, a certain scene from here or a certain music clip from here. And, and you just have to know that. And, and I work better off just this, just doing normal conversation. Uh, I can carry a conversation all day long if if, if need be. But with right. the scripted stuff, I, you know, you can tell I'm scripted when I'm scripted. My wife even said like, Hey, you know, that episode sounded really scripted. I'm like, because it was, you know, we had to get some information out that we couldn't describe just in our own words. It had to be put this way. So th- those scripted ones, I, I don't really like. So I like to go with what, what we normally do is just a sit down, shoot the shit and, and go from there. Look, the, the only reason your wife is pointing it out to you is because she's tired of holding up the cue cards. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, it, it, it's funny because like I've, I've talked about this on other episodes as well. But when I started this podcast, my wife had said, you know, what the hell are you doing? Like, why do you have a microphone? Like, what are you what are you planning? I said, I'm going to do a podcast. And she said, what? You know, and at first it wasn't kind of a thing that she was kind of into. And man, has she gotten way into it now because now she likes to be on the episode. She actually enjoys it. She bought me this light for the camera so that um, I, I don't look so orange in in doing video calls now because I used to look orange because I'm in the basement with pot lights. And uh, she bought me this whole five foot uh, light stand. And, you know, so it, it's it's grown pretty well. Uh, over the last four, four and a half months and we're getting out there and she's enjoying every minute of it. So when she does have a chance, she loves to come on. She loves to chat. She loves to just shoot the shit and, and it's fantastic. So that's, that's the cool part about it. I get to do it with my wife as well. So. Well, I'll tell you what, man, I'll extend the offer right now. Uh, uh, sometime in the near future, we'll get you and your wife to be guest panelists on the weekly show. So that way you can sit down and, and join the conversation and maybe laugh at some of the goofy shit that we do besides the interviews. So hundred percent. I'm my wife will be down for it. It's not, it's not a problem as long as it's usually on a weekend. Cause she works like her ass off during the day. She's uh probably 7 a.m. until like 5 p.m. she's working so uh unless it's like an evening an evening thing but i don't think we set a a permanent date i just know that we re- we release by tuesday so yeah that way we'll, that we'll way. work something out i mean we have each other's contacts so we'll we'll work something out and and, and get something going because uh, i know i owe you an episode as well but we did run a little bit longer than we thought we'd run this episode because again it was just shooting the shit and and uh having a good well, conversation that's, so that's why i started interviewing you i figured i could at least get a if with your permission i would i would take Absolutely. the episode two and edit and, yeah. and release that 
that way at least. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not a prick like that. You know, I I've run into other podcasters where I say, Hey, I, like I was on their show. Can I actually use this episode for one of ours? And they say, no, 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 this is just ours. I'm not going to be like that. I was, you know, I'm whatever. Everybody share the wealth. Go ahead. You have different listeners than I do. I have different listeners than you do. I'm not stealing any of your listeners. Right. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I hope you, you know, do use it. Yeah. I hope you do. I hope you take all 15 of them. (laughs) But no, I've always been a a person for the community. You know what I mean? And I want to help grow your show as much as I want to see my show grow. You know what I mean? I don't just concentrate on my show. So, I mean, you know, I think I think the community would be so much better if people would work together instead of worrying about undercutting each other. You know what I mean? So. Absolutely. hundred percent. And that's why we did the convention. It was like, you know what, we're going to share this. And then we started with a, what we call a Sunday night showcase. So we pick, we did a random name generator from everybody that was in the group that wanted to participate in it. And what we did is the three admins are going to start hosting. So we ran one on this Sunday night for one certain podcast. And then this Sunday night, we're doing another podcast and it's just about them. So we, we don't even kind of say our name. It's just about them and their favorite episode. And we talk to them for 45 minutes. We go live uh, in the group and uh, we get question and answer period. So it's kind of just trying to help everybody else grow their product as well. Well, if you do that to me, I'm never going to answer my favorite episode question because I'll just refer to go back to the episode where you interviewed me. I already gave that answer. Let's just let's let, That's let right, let's, yeah. let's talk about wet farts. I don't care. Let's just, you know. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'd be 45 minutes yeah. of me going, uh, reverting back to junior high school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was it, it was great, great talking to you. I mean, uh, I don't usually do podcasts this long, but it didn't even feel like it was a long time during the conversation. So it was it was fantastic to have you on. Definitely, definitely get you uh, or get you back and, and come on to your show. Uh, we'll work something out uh, in the near future. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, thank you very much for coming on. And as always, stay safe, be kind to each other, and we will see you later.